Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining. We haven't had the Thursday night class ready for two weeks, two weeks of absence. So let's get right back into it. So this, we have. I still owe you the last piece of the last class about Kol Torah Tzivalano. I said I was gonna. That was like gonna wrap it up with the connection of Rivka, and there's a lot of good stuff there. If we'll go back to that and finish that. Bezos Hashem, we're gonna get that done over the next few days. I will start a new discourse, as I mentioned. So there's something very exciting. Um, about how this came about, that I should teach this discourse this week. This discourse, let me first tell you where it is. It is found in Shir Hashirim, if you want to get a Lakuti Torah, yeah. And it's in the book of Lakuti Torah, even though it's Bereshis now, also see that's part of the story. It's Bereshis, now we're learning Genesis, Bereshis, and the book of Hasidus that we usually study is on Bereshis, is Torah or. Um, the discourses on Torah are, on Vayetze are awesome discourses, but we've already completed those in earlier years, in earlier classes. So two days ago, not even two days ago, yesterday in the morning, I, I, I was thinking, scratching my head, thinking, what am I going to teach this week? What are we going to learn? Could have finished the piece over there, but that I felt still needs some work. Um, what am I going to learn? So I was thinking, I'll tell you how this all came about. I'm thinking, Yaakov is marrying Rachel and Leah. It's marriage. It's love. Um, where am I looking? Where am I looking? I said, oh, I'm looking in the Song of Songs. That's where there's a lot of marriage, a lot of love, a lot of male-female dynamic, which is the concept of Yaakov and his wives, Rachel, Leah, I'm sure, in Shir Hashirim, in the discourses from the Alter Rebbe, Shneir Zalman of Liadi, of Shir Hashirim, I will find something that pertains to uh, the concepts. Because in Shir Hashirim, there are many discourses that I didn't teach yet. So I took this book, it wasn't this one, it was the one I have it at home, but it's the same idea. I opened up over here to this glossary page, see, right over here, this page. And it's got all the discourses. And these are the ones of Shir Hashirim. Shir Hashirim start up here. It's a whole column, and each of these lines represent a different discourse. And they scanned over here for a title that looks like is gonna like fit this week's this week's uh, the concept, the concept of marriage. That's what I was looking for. The concept of marriage. Shir Hashirim is full of marriage, but I'm gonna find something that's really and something that I didn't teach yet. As I'm going down, this is not in the back. Oh, what are you looking for, Sher Hashem? You're looking for the discourse? Um, as I'm going down the glossary, so I, I don't have to go far. I go down the glossary. The glossary is right at the opening page of the book, right at the beginning, if that's what you're looking for. Right at the beginning... It immediately has Mavtechos. It has all the... Yeah, yeah, right over there. So I go down. I'm looking. Uh, I find... I right away pick the discourse, I say. This one. 
One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Number eleven from from the from the from the list. Novel which means God is saying, your cheeks. The, the groom says to the bride, your cheeks are beautiful with your earrings. Talking about earrings that are hanging down on the cheeks. So God is speaking about the beauty of Israel, something to do with their cheeks and their earrings. Avarech, your neck, Bacharuzim, that has a necklace, that has beads. Okay. So you can right away see, you don't have to be a brain rocket scientist, that this is going to connect to the marriage of Yaakov and Rachel and Leah, somehow connect, I'm thinking, you know. And then I'm looking further, anything else, the next mimer, the next mimer is, my bride, you're beautiful. Well, that we learned already. So I'm going down. The next one I find that might work, is You've captured my heart, my sister, my bride. Huh? Yaakov is, falls in love with Rachel. So I, it, I, I say to myself, this one or this one? One of the two. But the first one I set my mind's one was the first one. Okay. How do you know it's divinely ordained? So watch this. Only me crazy and he gets excited like this. So I'm sitting there and I'm trying to figure this out. I see it. And I say, okay, let me look. I don't know what the discourse is all about. This is only the glossary. So I have this thought. Ugh, I'm too excited even to say this. I can't even say this. And for me, that just telling the story, I don't even have to teach anything. It's all I can do is just tell the story. But I'm now aggravated why I didn't prepare enough after, after such a divine revelation. So, no, so, so, no, no, no. I can't even say the story. That's how excited I am. So what pops in my head? I'm thinking to myself, maybe the Alter Rebbe said one of the Shira Shirim discourses, maybe he actually said it on Parshas Vayetze. I want a Parshas Vayetze discourse. I don't have a Parsha, a weekly Parsha discourse, because we learned them already. I don't want to learn a mimer of that was said in another time of the year. It's Shira Shirim, yeah, the themes connect. But I want something that is taught, the energy of this week that the Alter Rebbe said on Parshas Vayetze. So I'm thinking maybe one of these. So I said, my, I already decided kind of probably this one, but I didn't know. Maybe I'll find another one that, start, that the Alter Rebbe actually said Parshas Vayetze. So for that, I can't look at the glossary over here because it doesn't say when they were said. So in the back, there is a list there's a list over here, all the way in the back. I'm not gonna don't look for it because they're gonna find it. It's gonna be a pain. There's a list. <laughs> there's a list of all the discourses, which years they were set. You see, the Tzemach Tzedek, the grandson of the Alter Rebbe, when he wrote the book, he didn't write the book. When he compiled the book, he selected from discourses the Alter Rebbe said, like over a period of 20 years. So he selected discourses, but he put them in, inserted them based on the weekly parsha. So it could have been one that was said 15 years earlier or one 15 years later. So you don't know exactly. It wasn't, he didn't list them in the book by the order of the way they were said. But in the back, there is a glossary that tells you which year each one was said. And it tells you which, which Shabbos it was said, which week it was said. So I'm looking through, but it's not only Shira Shirim, it's all the discourses. So take a little bit of a look. I'm looking through to find the Shira Shirim discourses and see what it was said. As I go through here, I come to the year Tovkuf Samach Dalit, which is the year of 1804. 
at this point, 1803 still, because it's still before uh, the, 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 the secular calendar turns over. And I come over here. Novel Lechayayich. It seems to have been said in this year, it says chasana, by a wedding. Okay, so I'm doing well already. Because I'm talking, the reason I was inspired to turn to, to learn this discourse is because it's related to the wedding of Yaakov and Rachel. So this was said by a wedding. Okay, it's already good. Then I look a little bit back and I get even more excited. When did the Alter Rebbe say this? Say this at which at whose wedding? The Alter Rebbe said this this discourse at his favorite grandson's wedding, at the Tzemach Tzedek's wedding. Tzemach Tzedek got married when he was 14 and a half years old. So after, between 14 and 15, he got married. They got married very young those days. So on Tzemach Tzedek's chasana, the Alter Rebbe said this minor. Okay, But I still don't know when. I just know it's on the wedding. So then I look over here. There's another section called Rashima Sakizveyad, which gives you a Rashima, a list of the actual manuscripts. Who, who wrote it? What, where, where? I mean, because there were many people writing discourses. And I come up and I look for the week. I find Rashima Sakizveyad. I come to Shira Shirim. Yud Beis Ahmed Dalid is the Maimer Novel Chayayich B'Toyrim. Put on your seatbelt. Maimer Mechasenas Atzem Machzedek Parshes Vayetze Tov Kuv Zamach Dalid. Slam dunk. I don't have to say anything else. I almost flipped. I'm looking at it. I'm randomly from a two thousand discourses that could have been said at any time. I'm looking for something to learn. I decide, Shira Shirin. I go through a list of discourse. I land on this one. And then I say, you know what? Maybe it, 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 it was said on Parshas Vayetze. I don't think it's nothing to do with me. It just has to do with the, the, the God is sending something here. He lands me right to the discourse, Parshas Vayetze, said by the Tzemach Tzedek, said by the Altareb on the Tzemach Tzedek's wedding. Shabbos, um, I think Pasheva Berchus, the Alter Rebbe says this discourse, novel and if you learn the discourse, in the even though it's not rooted on the words of the Parsha, the Alter Rebbe was going to bring the Parsha in, which he does, because he talks about when he talks about the necklace, your 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 beads of your necklace, he discusses what a necklace is. A necklace is strings that are going through stones. And this is the theme of this week's parasha when Yaakov took the stones and he put them around his head, forming this necklace. This is the idea of that, that symbolizes by Yasim Avanim, he takes the stones and he put them around his head, forming this necklace around the neck kind of widget. So this is uh, he's preparing the necklace that he's gonna give Rachel. <laughs> Yaakov is first appearing this necklace and then he's giving it to her. So this is the, this was, so then I got so excited. This, this, yesterday I was on a high the whole day just from this story. I was pumping. I didn't have time even to prepare. I looked a little bit. I read it a little bit. I was excited. I went to Shul to Davin. This is before Davening. So I went to Shul to Davin Shachris. And I had some, I, my minion was a little delayed. Not mine, whatever. I was a little bit earlier before this minion. So I had some time. I said, let me prepare the discourse. I went and they took out the safe, the book. Now this book is a little this book is pretty big, all right? It's a big a thick book. 
But this book is only half of the Sefer Lakuti Torah. This is Chelek Beis. The book, the other, the Lakuti Torah really is double the size of this. And this print is divided in two, but the print I picked up in Shul is one. So you're talking about a book of about 800 pages. So I take out the book and I open up the, open up the book, Isaiah. Again, this is not the book I used in the house, so it's not like it was already used. I open up the book like this to start, you know, to go to there. And which page does it open up? Exactly the Mayimah on it. So I have like enough messages that God says, we got to learn this discourse now. I know what it is. After all of that, God still gives a person freedom of choice, and I fudged it. Because I didn't get a chance to prepare. I didn't prepare. I prepared 20 minutes before. I didn't sit for hours. I should. Okay, so we're going to learn the beginning and try to break into it. And by next week, hopefully, when I do the second half, we're going to have to be broken up. I didn't do this due diligence. All right. Here we go. But the story is good. The story is still so exciting. I don't know what to do with myself. So what's the story? The story is that we're living in a world of Mashiach already. Since we're living in a world of Mashiach already, God is so tangible. And if you just want to tap, you can see the divine flowing. So that's, I see it in this story because, you know, the, the, the unbelievable, um, um, the chances that these things should all happen exactly at the moment, this, 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 and that, you can literally see that there is some higher force directing one's thoughts and one's one's actions. Now, if when this happens to tzaddikim, which are extremely righteous, holy, sensitive, godly people, um, it's because they're holy. But when it starts happening to ordinary folk, ordinary folks like me and whatever, then you know that's the days of Mashiach. Because when the days of Mashiach will come, even every single person on the street could be a prophet and can, uh, can have divine like inspiration coming through them. That's Mashiach. So it's so already the time of the Eula. So as long as we don't intentionally mess it up, we can be living on the divine GPS. Literally, literally, just like every little thing God is directing. He always was, but in a way that you can see it. That's the beauty. In a way that we can actually see it, the the divine providence surrounding us every second and every moment. So that's what's exciting. In any case, let's learn the discourse. And again, I literally, I make this introduction many times that I don't know, uh, that I didn't do, prepare correctly. And over here, I, it's extra. It has not been the proper preparation, but I don't know how far we're going to go, but at least we'll get started. So there's a verse in, in Song of Songs. Here's another nice thing. I received, I ordered a couple of months ago, this volumes of the Steinsaltz. I spoke about it um, the other day also. The Steinsaltz, a set of scripture of Tanakh. So told, told this discourse, I didn't even open up the, the the third volume or the second volume, I was I I just was using the first volume, which is Chumash. I started the the the, the Chumash itself, the five books. I'm using it every day to learn my Chumash in it. It's really very special. But I didn't use the writings, his writings and his prophets. I didn't even open it. And just because of this discourse, 
I wanted to get the proper English translation and a little bit something, and it's actually very helpful. So I'm opening up to the Shira Shirim. Um, it's a great, for anybody, I'm going to do a little advertisement for the Steinsaltz. Um, the Steinsaltz Tanakh. I really like it because it's got really cool pictures of everything, and they do a lot of, like, research of various different elements. So one of the things he discusses in the discourse, because he uses a picture of an old ornament, I got to see, like, yeah, this is what he's talking about. It's so cool. It's really cool. Also one of the Mashiach things. Any case, so it says in Shira Shirim, Song of Songs, in, in the first um, chapter, in verse number nine, So the verse says like this. It's it's a love, it's a love song between God and Israel. And it's very poetic. So God says, Lisusasi to the female horses. Well, like he translated over here the, the Steinsaltz uh, to a mare in Paro's chariots, a female horse. Dimisich Rayasi, I've compared you my bride. Now a horse are very beautiful animals. They're, they're, they're majestic. They're beautiful. They're, they're, they have this, and it's very pleasant. You know, some animals are ugly. Cows are not too beautiful. But horses are magnificent. The Egyptians dealt with horses. Like the Torah says, the reason we're not allowed to go, the Torah warns that we shouldn't go back to Egypt for their horses. So Egypt was known for its horses. So you can imagine the horses that made it into Pharaoh's chariots were like the top of the top-notch horses. They were the most magnificent horses. They were a pleasure to look at, so pleasing to the eye. So in addition to that, they used to adorn the horses with all kinds of decoration. They dressed the horses up with expensive ornaments. And he has actually a picture over here. Uh, a horse pulling Pharaoh's chariot, fresco Abu Simbel, southern Egypt, 13th century BCE. They got like a, he has like a little um, a little depiction over here, and they. What I like about this this thing, because he whatever you know, it, it comes alive. So that we say, why is God comparing us to a female horse? But like you can see, it was ornaments, beautiful the horse. This is of course on the simple level. Let me get into the depth of it. But then the next verse, Navu lechayayich, your cheeks are beautiful, batayim with rings. So God says about Israel, your cheeks. Now, what does that do with the horses? So uh, this is again Steinsaltz's. Um, um, uh, commentary like the horses of Pharaoh's chariot your cheeks are lovely and decorated with rings as he says apparently large earrings that rest on the cheeks and I guess they would they would adorn the horses as well with all kinds of jewel, I mean, jewels or whatever so similar to that Hashem is saying you know your cheeks are are adorned with rings um 
your your uh, neck bacharuzim your neck is decorated with beads that's a form of necklace so it shows a picture over here as well necklace egypt 7th century so they had like a bead necklace fine then it continues so god is describing what we have already what we have already is on our cheeks in our relationship with God, we're the female. He's the male. Even men. Right? So the entire Israel is God's bride. So our cheeks are adorned with these rings. Earrings, I guess. That hang down on the cheeks. But God says, and our neck with beads. But then he says, I want to upgrade your jewelry. So cool. God says it's nice. You're looking good as it is. I'm not criticizing. You're really, actually, you're beautiful. But then God says, I want to upgrade your jewelry. And what does he say? Um, you are worthy of even greater, grander jewelry. We will make you golden rings. Toidezov is again golden rings. Nasalach, we will make you. In the Kudais Kesef with studs of silver. So then he adds over here, Steinsaltz adds, silver studs stand out prominently on a golden background, like white spots on dark fur. Okay. This is the story. So over here in his picture, Steinsaltz actually brings golden earrings from Italy, 4th century BCE. So when you see the picture of his golden earrings that he puts, let me put it close up to the camera. When you see these earrings, you see they're a ring, and they come down like a triangle. And that's very important, because with the whole discourse, it's going to explain this type of jewelry, the triangular jewelry. And what the Alter Rebbe is going to explain is what is the upgrade from the ordinary state of the rings to the golden, golden rings with silver studs. Probably revealing too much, but this is just too much. Too, also, also really exciting. <laughs> One of the things we I was a little busy with this week was that I'm, I've been trying because of speaking places that I travel. I've traveled quite a lot in the past year and speaking and other 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 weddings and things like that. So if a little while ago we decided to stick to one airline so we can get um, get status. If you get if you stay on one airline, you get status. Get status and get better seating. So in the last couple of months, my wife has been working very hard to figure out how to like move. We reached status of silver, how to move to gold. We were dealing with it this week. This week I'm dealing with the airline because we they canceled the flight. So I want them to give me extra points so that we can move from so I told my wife, take a look. The mimer is discussing the upgrade from silver to gold. It's exactly what we're dealing with this. Now, what you say, this is totally wacky. What does it have to do? The answer is, meaning, what is it wacky? What does it have to do with your silver gold on the airline having to do with the discourse? 
talking about abstract spiritual concepts, as we're going to see. The answer is that the days of Mashiach is that there is no separation between the physical reality and the spiritual reality. There's nothing in this world that has no that, that that is just material and physical. So every aspect of your life it could be expressing itself in silver status on your airline thing, and you go, yeah, this is all a reflection of deeper spiritual truths. And and if spiritually it's time to make an upgrade from silver to gold, so let it reveal itself down here as well. Why not? Not why not. The the material is nothing more than a thickening and a more tangible expression of an ethereal abstract concept coming into something physical. I just thought it was really, really cool that right when I'm busy, that literally the day before I'm busy writing them an email that uh, they canceled the flight, so they, what are they going to do for compensation? You know, I didn't want to tell them, you know, maybe you should add points. I don't know. I'm waiting for, the, for United Airlines to get back to me. But we were literally dealing with this right now. I'm trying to figure out how we're going to get those necessary points because you have to get the points before the end of December. So you only have or else you're sliding back right to the beginning. So we're trying to figure it out. And then I'm learning the discourse. That he sends me over here on a gift. And it's all about the upgrade. It's really cool stuff. I don't know. Here we go. Let's read. You're, your, your cheeks are beautiful with rings. Your neck with beaded, beaded, beaded necklace. Okay, so as, as we learned in the last discourse, if you remember, we learned that when we learn, the, when we learn scripture, we have no clue what it's talking about. Because scripture is still on such a sublime divine level. Oh, you know where it is? On page 24. In Shirashu in page 24. Found it? So what's it, where you, what do you have in your page? Which which parsha? You have Shirashu? Okay. So there's 20, there's Yud Gimel on one side and 24 on the other side. Yud Gimel? Got it. Okay. So we learned in the previous class that scripture is scripture is so sublime. Scripture is so is so high that it, it, there's no comprehension at all. It has to be translated. Remember, we learned that there is a jug of purely divine water, and then it has to be poured over into the servant sits there and says, "Give me a little bit for me to drink." Like we have to pour it down into more into human intelligence, into the human reality, and that's what the oral law does. The oral law, the, um, 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 uh, what is it? What is the word we were, we were using when we were giving the class? Kind of what is it? Distills the 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 oral law distills the divine Torah and translates it into a language that that that, that is capable for our human minds to grasp. So um, the same over here, you know, what are we talking about over here? You know, your, your, your cheeks with, with, with rings. I mean, we understand, you know, you can talk about, or you can think about, or look at a picture that we have over here, Pharaoh horses, and then look at jewelry instead. It's very nice. But yeah, we, we realize that these are enormous, infinite divine secrets. So in order to start getting a grasp, what does that have to do with the, with the Jewish people? What does it have to do with us and with our life and our daily living? And our connection to God. Like, well, what does this mean? So, the 
the, the sages tell us, look in Midrash. Well, the Midrash tells us, sages tell us, your cheeks is from the same word as luchot. Luchot means the tablets. So your cheeks, those are the two, um, the two luchos, the two tablets. Betoidim are beautiful. The two tablets are adorned. They're beautiful. Betoidim with rings. So the sages say the rings are referring to hemshnei toros, referring to torim, two, which implies plural. So it's two rings. What are the two rings? The two Torahs. Torah Shabiksav, the written Torah, Torah Shabapan, the oral Torah. So we're continuing on the theme of the Torah, of the two Torah that we discussed. Torah Tzivalano Moshe. We were learning about the two levels of Torah. The theme continues over here. So there is the written Torah, and then there is the oral Torah. understand. So what does this mean? So now we're getting a little bit of understanding. God is praising us with the Torah that we have. When he says we're beautiful, he's referring to the fact that we received the Torah. When he says your cheeks, he means your tablets, your Torah observance that is related to receiving the holy tablets that he gave us. He gave us the tablets. They're our tablets that he's given us. And they are beautified because we. what, what have we done with the tablets? We have adored the tablets because the tablets are only Ten Commandments. There's hardly anything on the tablets. And as a result of our development of the Torah, the tablets, okay, God himself develops it first. He develops the Ten Commandments into five books or or into the entire 24 books of the Torah. They all evolve around the Ten Commandments, but it's really an expansion of the Ten. The nucleus is the Ten Commandments, and then you have the entire rest of it. So that's like the... The tablet itself is adorned with a ring. The ring that surrounds it is the rest of the Torah. That's the oral. I'm sorry, that's the written Torah. But in addition to that, there is another ring. What's the other ring? Another circle that surrounds it, which is the oral. And it's all coming from the tablets. It's all surrounding the cheeks, which are the tablets, which have these these rings around it. One is the written Torah, the vast um, a, a circle, not so vast, the vast of the script, the the, the 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 rest of the Torah of Scripture, of Torah Shabbat, and even a much vaster, or at least from our perspective, much more greater um, um, expansion or, or 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 commentary is the commentary of the oral law explaining the written law, and these are the two rings, and they are on what on the luchot on the tablet. Now, what I do, what I don't, what, I, what I'm a little troubled by, is I looked in Midrash because I like to look things up, and I looked up in the Midrash. I do see in the Midrash that he says lechayayich batorim means the, the two levels of Torah. But what I don't find in the Midrash anywhere is that he should say, "Here we are." What I don't find in the Midrash, hold on. Oh, this is better. So I need to find the Alpha here. Oh, here we are. He actually says, Novelechayayach means cheeks. And he says the two cheeks are Moshe and Aro. 
the ones who speak the Torah. Moshe, Moses, and Aaron, those who gave us the Torah, brought us the Torah, took us out of Egypt and gave us the Torah. Um, they're called the cheeks. And the Torah are state Torahs. Torah Shabbat Torah Shabbat So I really don't know where it says this idea that novel Lechayach is referring to the tablets. Here it says Moshe and Aaron. Unless it says so later, I was looking down, I couldn't find it. Because further, he already begins, oh, hold on. I, I see. I might have missed something. Hold on. By the way, this is this is beautiful to read. I'm sorry, it's, it's a, it is a little bit off the topic. Well, since I didn't prepare the discourse anyways, I might as well go off the topic a little. Okay, it's my little way of uh, covering up for the lack of preparation. It's my secret. Don't tell everybody this. Okay, here we go. David Achar is interesting, beautiful. Novel Achayach Betorim. Okay, yeah. It's Savarech, these words, but Savarech, your neck, Baharuzim, with a necklace. So beautiful. When people chorzim, what does the word chorzim mean? Chorzim means they attach. God says your neck when they attach when they go from Torah, which means from the five books of Moshe, and they automatically move into the in the prophets, Nevi'im. Um, Nevi'im leksuvim, and from Nevi'im, from the prophets, they go into Ksuvim. In other words, the attaching the various parts of Torah one to the other. And fire surrounds them. And the words are happy as, as they were given at Sinai. And the Medrash continues. This is where I wanted to get to. When God gave the Torah at Sinai, wasn't it given with fire? That the mountain was burning in a fire to the to the midst of the heaven. So now, and therefore, you know, God says it's awesome when you study Torah and you're surrounded with fire. So when does that happen? So the Medrash says, Ben Azai, the great sages, when they studied. There were stories that this would happen because you're, de- you're, 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 you're in the midst of an exercise that is literally bringing, as we're going to see actually in the discourse soon, this, the study of Torah is revealing God speaking. We're just becoming the mouthpiece of God through which God is presently here, visibly speaking through the person. So the Medrash says, Ben Azai, Ben Azai, one of the friends of Rabbi Akiva, 
was studying and, 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 and expounding in Torah. He was sitting and expounding. And there was literally fire, flames of fire surrounding him. So they went to Rabbi Akiva and told him, you got to go check this out. They told Rabbi Akiva to go check out what's going on in the next, over there in the yeshiva, in the Rebbenazai, I never saw him be called Rebbenazai. Rebbenazai is sitting in Darjani. And there's a fire around him. He went in. It looks like he was over already. The show was over. He came. By the time he got there, it was already gone. He said, I heard that you were expounding and there was a fire, flames of fire around you. Yeah. That's true. He didn't deny it. Were you maybe teaching the deepest secrets of Kabbalah and mysticism? No, not at all. I was expounding from the scripture, from Chumash, into the prophets, from prophets to Ksuvim. I was, you know, doing a whole uh, exposition. Expo- I don't know what you would call it. But it was done with such purity that the words were, were joyous as if they were then given at, at the Mount Sinai. And they were as sweet as the time that they were given. Wasn't it? He said, big deal. That's the way Torah is. Torah is given at Sinai. What he basically was saying is, I, re, I went back to Sinai. When, when, that's the, what we say. We're supposed to do that when we study Torah. We're supposed to actually stand at Sinai. Now again, so that was the first sage. Rabbi was one sitting and expounding in Torah. And fire was flaming around him. Omar, he said, Maybe I am actually, maybe I am stringing the Torah in, in the right way. The Omar Rish Lakish, because Rish Lakish said, Is the Yad Anyways, I'm not exactly sure what this end is. I have to do some, look a little deeper what this means, but okay. Two ways of studying, wanted to make, okay. Uh, I'm just seeing if, he, if if I can find anywhere this thing that it says that it's the Luchas. I don't find it. If anybody can find this this for me in the Midrash, I would really be happy. Because here he brings it says so in the Midrash. Okay. Now that that has been done, let's read inside. Then we need to understand the Mahu Batayim. What does it mean, Batayim? The Hevelele Meimar Betorot. Torot means rings. Torim means rings. Should have said, Novel Chayayim, your cheeks are beautiful. Betoros, if it means the Toros. In other words, if it re- 
I know the word is pretty similar, Torim, which means rings, and Torot, which means Torah, are close. But if if it says rings, then we have to somehow figure out how the Torah is like a ring. Not just to say it's a similar word, so we can kind of like, uh, it says so, but it means this. It's a similar word, not enough. But Nagdim, so in order to understand that, Lahavan Amashal Kipshut. To understand the 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 um, the marshal, which means the metaphor, and it's simple. It's obviously metaphoric, but still, but on the simple level, what does it mean? Kitoyrim em tachshitim. Toyrim are what are Torim? Torim are rings. They are tachshitim hanasim keen roish tor. They are triangular jewelry. That means it's a ring, but it goes, it's, it's, it's made like wide on the top, and then it goes down like a golden, uh, I don't know, actually that's what I showed you. The picture that he depicts over here is a triangular ring. It's a very, a very common style earring that they wore in ancient days. So it comes down narrow at the bottom, and it's wide on the top. And that is, and there's a ring on top, a half a ring. You can see the picture here if you want to come look. Cool picture. Um, it's like this type of jewelry that they used to wear. And the Alter Rebbe says that this Roj Tar is a triangular. It's a, it's a, it's a triangular um, uh, image. It's the image of a triangle. They used to make two jewels, two meaning one on the right side and one on the left side, which are like triangles, to put them on the cheeks. See, the Alter Rebbe didn't have the picture uh, back then uh, to, to see it, but he knew this on his own. This was the type of jewelry they would make. He lived 250 years ago. We're talking about the type of jewelry they had 2,000 years, 1,500, 1,800 years before that. But to understand what is this, what is this implying? It's the physical example. What does it mean to us? And, and, and we're saying the Torah, the Torah is compared to this triangular jewelry on the cheeks. Triangular type of ring. So now he explains. Because the Torah, even, Torah is a very general word for that includes more than just Torah. Torah is the means that God has enabled us, given us, in order to worship him, to connect to him. So the Torah has, he's going to explain how the Torah has a triangle in it. What's the triangle of the Torah? The, tro- the triangle of the Torah is that we serve God through three means in Torah. One is Torah. We study Torah. The other one's performance of mitzvahs, primarily acts of goodness and kindness, which is tzedakah. And the third element of the triangle of divine worship is called avoda. 
Avoda means service of Hashem, which in the times of past meant sacrifices in the holy temple. And in modern days, it's through prayer. So we know the sages say in Mishnah, in Pirkei, in Ethics of the Fathers, the sages say, the world stands on these three types of service. Torah study, service of the heart, which is prayer, and mitzvah observance. So now we're already beginning to see when God is praising our triangular jewels, the triangular jewels are our Torah, our Avodah, and our God is enamored by our service to him through learning Torah, through doing mitzvahs, and through prayer. And that forms a beautiful earring in a form of a triangle. Why are there two earrings? We only have one Torah, one Avodah, and one mitzvah. Because the two, ear, the two earrings, as we're going to see further in the discourse, is because our relationship with God causes a divine reciprocation. So when we show God one earring, God shows us the other earring, which means our triangle evokes his triangle. So these are the two triangles, our interloops with his triangle. That will make it two earrings. Our three-mode, three-pronged service will stimulate three-pronged service from God. So I'm going to give a little bit of a cool little insight from what he's going to say. This three-pronged um, um, this three-pronged service, which is hinted to in this triangular uh, earring, is referred to or can seen in a symbol that we have in one of our Torah symbols in our and that's a segel. We know in our when we read the Hebrew Aleph Aleph base, there are various different signs which tell you how the pronunciation is. The vowels. So you're gonna have an aleph, and an aleph is just uh. But if you add a a certain dot on the top on the left side, it's called a chilam, you'll get the you'll get the oi or the o, depending on how people's uh and when you put an, a patach on the bottom, you get the a. And when you put the tzere on the bottom, two, two, two things, it will become a. It's the same sound, but it's different different uh, ways of u, a, a, whatever. So one of the signs is, is called a segel. Segel gives us the sound of e. And what is, the, what is the segel? It's two dots on the top and one dot on the bottom. Now that segel, which is the two dots on the top, this is this triangle jewelry, this triangle earring. Now the segel is not just a little a little something. God says about the Jewish people, you will be my segel. When he gives us the Torah, he says, you will be to me, segula, my segel. Which means you will serve me in a triple way of Torah. You'll study Torah. You'll serve me in prayer. You'll also do mitzvot. So you'll be my segel, you'll be my segula. Now, even though in the in the vowels a segel is two dots and a and a um, and a dot on beneath it. That's what the segel is. 
there is another segel. There's two segels. And the other segel is called a segulta. Okay, there's a segel and there's a segulta. Where does the segulta come from? This is cool. Because in addition to the nikudot, which we're talking about, which are the pronunciations, which are the symbols that are put for pronunciations, there's also certain symbols that are put for musical notes. The, the, the symbols that are put for musical notes have names, just like, um, you know, they have names in, in, other, in, in English and in other languages. So the musical notes for the Torah are called So there is here Tamaya Mikrodofi Minega Ashkenazim. There is the Ashkenazim one. And Tamaya Mikrodofi Minega Sfardim, the Sfardic. So in the Sfardic dialect, Zarka Makaf Shofar Holech Segulta. One of the signs is called a Segulta. Now, what's the sign of a Segulta? It's an upside down segel. There is a dot on the top. And the two dots are on the bottom. Our regular segel, which are used for nekudot, for pronunciation verse, uh, purposes, are two dots on the bottom. And w- I'm sorry, two dots on top and one dot on the bottom. It's a, it's a triangle, two dots and one dot on the bottom. The other segel, the one that's part of the musical notes, The one that's part of the musical notes is upside down. The two dots are on the top, and the and the 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 other one is on the bottom. Sorry, the single dot is on the top, and the two dots are on the bottom. So we're soon going to see these are these two triangles, the two earrings. Our segel is the segel our segel from us to God as we're going to see our divine service to Hashem is the segel which has the two dots side by side and the third one beneath it God's reciprocation segel to us is the opposite. It's got one dot on the top, the upside down triangle. The the point is going upward, and the and the bottom, the flat side, is the lower, which are the two dots, two dots, and the point on the top. Okay. So now. Um, Okay, so let me let me let me let me give you a little bit of an outline before we before we really start beginning to see wonders over here. Our segel 
okay, which is we said before, our the way it appears to us and our both the one coming from in part of the shofar, sorry, part of the um, uh, 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 notes, musical notes, which is called segulta, with the, with the single dot is on the top, and the one that's part of our the uh, kudot, our vowelization, where it's the opposite. But the way the triangle is made is that the three individual dots, dot, dot, and dot. But when they are turned into a ring, it's not just three dots. It's a triangle. As I showed you the picture, that means the three dots are connected to each other to become a triangle. Remember we learned in the beginning when I was reading the verse, I was saying, God says, I love your rings, but I'm going to make you nicer ones. I'm going to make you golder ones, or gold rings. That's the upgrade. Initially, the three dots represent three silver studs. We're soon going to see when our relationship with God is on silver status, we'll soon see what that means, then the three dots that we have, which means our three points of service, are not connected one to each other. They remain isolated actions, isolated experiences, individualized experiences. And because they are individualized experiences, Okay, now, they're individual experiences. However, God says that's nice. But it will be so much greater and so much more beautiful when I will turn them into gold. When I turn them into gold, they won't be three silver studs. The silver will be connected through the gold jewelry that's going to take the whole, all three studs and turn them into one piece. So the Alter Rebbe is going to explain, that's the main thrust of what we're going to learn over here, is that as a Jew, we serve God in three modes. He's going to explain how special, why, what's so amazing about these three modes. But he's going to explain that when our relationship with God is with a certain type of energy, which is a little mellow, there's a there's fervor, there's excitement, but it's a more... It's not that passionate. It's not that intense. That's called that's called the love of God like silver. Silver represents love, but it's like a love like water. It's calm. What it does is when we don't bring out this fanatical, intense love, it's intense love, then what it does is, is it allows for every time, the three modes of service remain three separate modes. They're not attached, like three separate studs of soul. But when we fire up the flames of the soul and our service to God becomes one of gold, gold, gold and silver, silver is like water. In the world of metallics, silver is water and gold is fire. So God says when you ratchet up the love and you suddenly allow your soul to rapture with love for me, the intensity of the love turns it into gold. And when it's gold, all what happens is there's such a there's a power of oneness 
that suddenly infuses your entire service, that your service of, of mitzvah and Torah and, 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 and prayer will become one entity where they become like one piece of jewelry as opposed to three separate things. There is a oneness that's coming through all of it. And then it's far superior to when it is just nekudot, when it's just dots. That's what I was talking about earlier, the upgrade from silver to gold. And that's the triangular jewelry that God says. You have already novel You have already rings. And 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 which means you have in your service the 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 segol the the the, the the three elements, but because it's still it's 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 uh, it's it's not yet you haven't reached the maturity in your relationship with me that you are experiencing this intense intense love, so it's nice. However, and it evokes and it stimulates and your triple. Three prong approach evokes my three. Why three? Because there are three primary emotions: Chesed, Gevura, Teferet. So our three primary emotions: Chesed, Gevura, Teferet, kindness, severity, and beauty and harmony, draws forth God's also three, three reciprocating to our love. His Chesed, Gevura, Teferet to us. So triangle to triangle, but it's not really a triangle. It's three points. Because each one is still isolated on its own. But when you give me your very being, through the fire-like love, you give me your very being, your very being fills the gaps and the spaces until it becomes one entity. And the love and the fear and the and the, all the aspects of service become infused with one power and then it becomes the golden rings. That's That's the upgrade of service that he's talking about or the thrust of the discourse that's as much as i was able to get by reading it just a little superficially at the at the beginning to get deeper and so on and so forth we're going to learn when we continue so now let's learn inside a little bit what we just discussed what we're going to focus now is first is on the three studs what are the three individual studs why are they three how special they are let's see Okay, what is the nimshul The Torah and the mitzvah are divided in general. The Torah is divided into three levels: Torah study, and avoda, uh, which means prayer and sacrifices, and Acts, charitable acts of kindness. Shehem bechinas, which they are corresponding to the three powers with what God created the world. Eish, mayim, and ruach. Emar. God created the world with these three powers. Into doing the word emar. What, 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 what was I talking about this? I was just recently discussing the A, the MR, the HMIM Ruach. Oh, I know where. Shabbos in the morning. In the discourse we were learning on Shabbos in the morning, we're talking about these three in Yana. The H, fire, the word, because you know, we know there are four elements fire, wind, water, and earth. But 
many times earth is not is not discussed primary is these three fire wind and 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 um and fire water and wind mr fire water and wind so what's the difference between what are these three elements fire the nature of fire is ascending fire goes upward it ascends from below upward so which type of service to god is expressed in a fire it's a person trying and making an effort to pick his or herself up from their lowly state what's our lowly state our lowly state is our state of self-absorption of being being stuck in our own limitation of our own beingness and we want to like wrestle ourselves out of our own constrictions and limitations and lift ourselves up more into the realm of the spiritual and into the godly and into the into the more expansiveness of god and that's what we try to do in prayer what's prayer Prayer is a time when we want to lift our consciousness up. Instead of seeing the here and the now, and me and my needs, and I want this, and I need this, and I'm hungry, and I'm tired, and I need food, and I, it's just, it's just a being, being stuck in a very physical container, and that defining what that defines my existence. In prayer, we open ourselves up to higher consciousness and higher awareness. We meditate on the on the infinite, on the godly, on what's beyond what we can see, touch, and feel. And we yearn for it. And suddenly our soul, our fire of our soul is extracted, our passion that we've become, sadly, our passions and our wants and our desires and our ambitions that have become so mired and stuck in the foolish, transient, temporary aspects of life are now we wiggle them out and we, we look at these things and we realize how foolish and 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 fleeting they are, and we yearn for, for for the permanent, for the infinite, for the godly. And when we do that, that's like fire. Fire rises upward. We extract ourselves from the earthy and we connect to the infinite. And if we do it really well, we can actually melt into the infinite. At least for the temporary time of prayer, when we come to Shema Yisrael Hashem Elkeinu Hashem Achad, we're living in another reality. We're saying God is one. We're experiencing the oneness of God. We're in a state of all-inclusiveness into the infinite. So that's the idea. So going upward spiritually means not up. God is not up or down. Going upward means going out of the constrictions and the containers. Low means the constrictions and the containers of our finitude, of our material limited existence. And going higher means extracting and seeing beyond our vessels and our containers, seeing the vast infinite and seeking to dissolve into that truth. So it's, it's a movement away from our vessels, away from time and space, away from the, from the, from the, from the, from the, from the uh, concrete uh, immediate existence of here and now, and seeking into the, looking for the bigger picture. And the same was also done when they did sacrifices. When they sacrificed was also, you liberated the, 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 the soul of the animal from its corporal physical container and allowed it to join the infinite. That's what happened to the soul of the animal. Went onto the altar, became part of the divine fire. It melt, so to speak, melted into God. So that is the concept of what he calls from going from down up. And then 
That's one mode of service. There's another mode of service where we want to influence the world. We want to express holiness and godliness in the lowly creation, in the material creation. And especially, a very good example, where there is suffering and pain in this, in this world, obviously when there's suffering and pain means there's a lack of divine blessing or at a, a, a lack of visibility of, of divine blessing. There is something hurting. There is someone hungry. There is someone lacking. And in God's presence, nothing should be lacking. So at this moment, there is a lack of divine revelation in a certain situation. And when you find out about it, and you go and you bestow money or influence or food or whatever is into that place, so now you're bringing God that even the physical material space in this world, the tangible world, is filled with divine presence. You did a mitzvah. You actualized godliness. And I'm just giving an example of tzedakah. Where you can literally see a place that was lacking is now being filled. And what's motivating you to fill it is you want to act godly. You wouldn't be godly. Then you would just keep your mind for yourself. But God is giving. So you being godly is also that you will be giving. So you're suddenly reflecting Hashem, channeling God. But the way you're doing it is not by melting into the infinite and disregarding the physical. It's focusing on the physical and revealing God. Every mitzvah is really some kind of a godly infusion into an otherwise godless state. When we say godless, we mean a place where godliness is not being shown and being revealed. Generally, the physical world is concealing and obscuring God, but now I'm doing a godly act. I'm doing a mitzvah. I'm allowing godliness to flow into containers and into vessels that the finite existence of time and space should be in a state of attachment and in accordance to God's will. It's a completely different mode. In prayer, I'm picking myself up outside of vessels. I'm going away from containers. I'm going away from physical expression. And in mitzvah observance, I'm descending into physical expression and into the world, but doing it, allowing my godly, my godly soul and through my godly soul, God himself, to shine through me into the world. A channel of the divine down into the world. And that's why if prayer is compared to God, to fire, the spiritual fire in our soul is prayer, which fire is the nature of fire is leaping upward. And actually fire destroys vessels, destroys things. It, it, it can't stand anything constricted. It burns everything and it wants to get away from everything. Water nurtures everything. Water fills, gives life to everything. Saturates everything with life, with energy. So it goes down and water, the nature of water is to descend, going downward, expressing, expressing the infinite into the finite as opposed to extraction. And water, who this kindness, and charity, or giving tzedakah to enliven the spirit of the of the destitute and of the lowly. As we said earlier, there is a certain place that seems to be unfortunate, hunger, a lack of divine blessing, and you're like you're carrying God into that place. God, that's what kindness really is. God gives us an opportunity to, to direct him to be, we are the water spout 
through which the waters of divinity can imagine yourself like a hose, God hose, and God is the waters of life. And when you walk around with your hose looking wherever there's something lacking and you offer your assistance, then you're being God's, God's spout of water into this world, watering the, the, the godless, the place that's lacking divine blessing. God says, I would go there, but I want to give you a chance to bring me there. So now you have a chance to feed me into this place so that I can express that this place in the world should not be a place where, where, where I'm not present or I'm not visibly present. I am very present because this kindness happening and so on and so forth. So that's to enliven the spirit of the lowly from above downward. Okay, so these are the two, two modes. But we said there are three modes of service. What's the third? And then there is the third mode, which is a level that mediates between the two. What mediates between fire and water? Fire's nature is rising. Water's nature is descending. And what kind of is in between? Which means it neither descends or it neither ascends. It just is. And that's air. Ruach, air. It's not going up. It's not going down. It just is. Stationary. And it is what connects up and down. Because wind is everywhere. Air is everywhere. And in a sense, wind is sometimes going up and sometimes going down. It's, 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 in a, it's, in a, it's, it's both. So that is Torah. And we'll soon see. So what, what exactly is happening when you're learning Torah? When you're learning Torah, you're tra- we're going to see in a moment, you're actually going much deeper than up and down. See, in prayer, there's a certain sense that God is above. He's outside of the system. He's, 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 he's He's undefined, he's outside, he's not within the world. And I need need to rise beyond the time and space and the confinements of my body and my physical existence to experience it. So the yearning is the yearning because we feel uncomfortable. We feel there's there's a lack, there's something missing. I feel claustrophobic, I feel trapped, I feel disconnected in my body, in my my constricted existence. I need, I want to like be included in the, I want to experience the infinite. So the sense is that God is above. And there's truth to that because God reveals himself in the higher realms and he's not revealed in the lower realms. So from the perspective of divine revelation, yeah, that's true. There's more revelation above and there's less revelation below. So in in prayer, that's what's felt in the soul. In mitzvahs, one is, again, as we said earlier, driven to fill the place that's lacking. But again, that itself is is saying that what? There is a place where there is no godliness, a place or or lacking of the or it the world is is in a state that it needs fixing, it needs repair, it's ungodly, and I will now do a mitzvah and fix and repair something to ref, to be in a godly state. So again, it's 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 entertaining, not just entertaining. It's it's acknowledging the concept that there is that there is a possibility where there is no God, where God is not 
Now for I'm going to do something godly within the material world to fix it and express the divine. Then there's a much deeper truth. The deeper truth is that he is and there's none but him. He is above, he is below, he is reality. There's no place devoid of him. And that's the concept of the ear element. Ear is everywhere. Up, down, it just is. And that's Torah. Torah is truth. Torah is MS. Truth. What's ultimate truth? Ultimate truth is he is, there's none but him. Therefore, how does it express itself in Torah study? The main idea of Torah study, as he's going to explain in a couple of moments, is that when a person is studying Torah, in the real way, like we learned earlier, I showed you the Midrash. Here's where the Midrash that I thought I didn't realize has a connection to what we're learning. But it actually it's very much connected to what we're learning. We spoke earlier about when the people learning the Midrash, they were studying from Torah to Nevi'im to Nevi'im to Ksuvim, and there was fire around them. What really happened? What's the fire? And, and the fire was not because they were yearning. It wasn't their fire, yearning for God. We said it was like the Torah was given at Sinai. What does that mean? Where God is present, there is fire. There's the flames of fire of, of, of the divine. The imagery we use for God is the fire. When they were learning Torah, they just opened up the truth that God is here. The real, and, 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 and when we don't see, what happens if I'm learning Torah and you don't see fire? You're learning Torah, we don't see the fire. But here's the deal. The real way of learning Torah is one where the, you lose yourself so much that the only thing that exists is actually, in other words, the words you're saying are not you speaking. The words that we say when we're learning Torah is we're giving, it's God speaking, that's it. And the point over here is not to fix anything. The point over here is not to correct anything. The point over here is like in a mitzvah, you're saying, what did we say earlier? There's a poor man, there's a person struggling, there's a lack, there's a darkness, there's a suffering. I'm coming to alleviate the suffering. So I'm coming to bring God into a place where he wasn't for before. I'm coming to repair something. And I and I appreciate and understand that there's an objective. The objective is to fix. So there's something other than God over here that needs to be fixed. We're fixing it with godliness. But in the realm, but from the perspective of Torah study, there's only one element. There's only God. God is above and he's below. How is he below? We just open up, open up the veil and allow him to be here. And how do you allow him to be here to express himself? So we're speaking Torah. We are, he is talking through us. We're not trying to fix anything. It's not about us. It's not like now that I'm learning Torah, I'm going to be holy. It's not about that. Just let, let letting God be. Letting God be, when you're learning Torah, you're, you're like, you become just interface, an interface through which God interfaces right now, through you, in you, with you, through your entire, because what are you saying? You're saying his will, his thoughts. It's almost like you're opening up a channel of God's thinking and God's talking. So till now, who's chattering? Everybody else is chattering. When I'm talking, I'm talking, whatever, whatever, whatever's in my heart, whatever I like, whatever I'm excited about. I have interest because my passions, my wants, my needs, my philosophy, my thoughts, my ideas. I'm saying, what, I, what is everybody else talking? Everybody's saying what, what's on their mind, what's on their heart. 
Now, how about letting God say what's on his mind and what is on his mind? Well, when you're learning Torah, it's exactly what you're doing. God is talking about what he thinks about things. So it's not, you're not running anywhere. You're not fixing anything. You're just letting God be. That's the Torah. It's, and that's why it's the Ruach. It's just the air. It just is. He's going to explain it soon. Um, you know what? Because I explain this right now, so I want you to really feel it and see it, I'm going to skip a little bit over here because he's now going to introduce something else. Let's skip a little bit and, and, and get to that part where we explain this. Says, so let's go over here. Um, he's, he explains the order of service of God. You start with prayer. And we understand why we have to start with prayer based on what we just explained. Initially, when a person is stuck in his own body, in his own, in, in his or her limited, constricted being, there it can be light years and light years away of anything godly and spiritual. I'm living literally in an animalistic state of mind. I'm here as the center of the universe. It's all about me and about what I want and what I need about making money and making myself a name and becoming famous or whatever it is and having prestige or power or whatever it is that I need or running after all the lights and passions or whatever that make me happy. And I'm and I'm the source and all that exists is my my life. That's it. And obviously in that state we're not much of an influence. We're just another animal amongst billions of other creatures that have no significance whatsoever. Significance, significance of, 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 of a mortal, finite little piece of time and space. Right? Exist in a tiny sliver of time and for how much space do we really occupy? Even if we grab everything, how much can we grab? So we really amount to nothing. And in that state, you have no, no, no true true, true, real significance. So the first thing is, you got to attach yourself to the vine. You got to realize that's not who you are. You're not, a, you're not a, uh, an animal that lives around here and eats grass and whatever for a little while or eats sushi. It doesn't make a difference what you're eating. But the idea is that's not who I am. I am a piece of God from above trapped in a little physical body. So I got to uncover that. So the first thing is, I got to yearn for the infant. I have to, have to shed this outer this outer container that is constricting and making me think of myself like a, like a mortal finite something and realize that I'm just an infusion of God and of God's infinite light in, in, in my body. So I have to reconnect. That's where it starts with prayer. You got to start praying first. So you can make that contact and have that higher vision. Once you prayed and you connect and you, then you realize God doesn't want me to dissolve into the infinite then God would not have created me and inserted his light into the world. I was once part of the infinite. If I was once included in the infinite light, the spark of me, then why did he put me in a body? So should I should escape it? That's not the point. The point is that I should illuminate the body and the place around me. So after I pray, I can go do mitzvahs. And I can channel and fix my body and everything. I can fix that very body that it's still now been trapping my soul. I can fix that body to become an, a conveyor of my soul, a conveyor of my deeper self, of my higher self. And, and, and channel through my body God's light into everybody around me and everything, everywhere I can reach to illuminate the world with divine, with divine blessing and with divine consciousness and divine enlightenment. 
but I'm still living in the mode that, they, they're, they're, that, that there's something that needs to be fixed. After you do that, first you connect, then you fix, then you realize much deeper, God is. Now I can just dissolve and let just God be. Down here, while we're in the physical world, in a body, and that's through studying Torah. So the order of, of, of the way he's explaining it over here is first prayer, mitzvahs, and then Torah. Even though in many discourses it's discussed first prayer, then Torah, then mitzvahs, but in this discourse, he's discussing the concept of prayer first, mitzvahs, gemilas chasada, mitzvahs next, channeling, and then just being one with God. That's the next stage, which is Torah. So now let's read it inside. The, and, and, and he calls that the segel, the segel of the three dots. Vigam, uh, let's start from him. Again, I'm skipping intention. I'm going to come back. Vigam hem bebchenas nekudas segel. You see, this is right after, you see in the middle, there's, there's brackets. So one line after the brackets, the bottom bracket with the small words, the line begins with the words vigam. He's explaining, this is why we're called a segel. What's a segel? Three dots. Ki'inyan segel, what's a segel? The middle dot, is beneath the other. Remember I said there's two types of segel, one with the, one dot on the top and two dots beneath it, and one with the, one dot beneath the, the, sorry, one dot on top and two dots beneath it, or the, the one on the other way around where the, the dot is on the bottom and two dots above it. So he's referring to that one. Um, so the Nekudam Tzoyos is Tachash Deh Nekudah. Shekein Seidera Avoidah. This is the order of the service. First the two. Tchilo Tzorach Liyos Bebchenas Eish. Momato Lomayla. First one has to fire up the fire. First you have to have a yearning. To have an aspiration. You, you have to be a seeker. You're not a seeker and you're content in being, and just being a material a material, a material being, an earthy, and define and define oneself, yourself and ourselves just as material animals. Okay, fine. We're not, we're not we're not shaking the world. We're not shaking the cosmos doing that. So first, you have to discover your fire in you that that realizes that is not happy, that wants to get out. That's that's why the soul is compared to a fire. First thing is self-discovery. Discover your soul. And when you discover your soul, you want to you want to break out of your life. You look at your life as a prison. That's the first thing. So you learn that there's a purpose of being in your body. But that's the next stage. And afterwards, And then once your heart is racing, and because of your love that you've discovered, return. Go back. Go back into your body. As we said earlier, the purpose is not to dissolve into the infinite, but to turn your body into a conveyor of the infinite. Shuv, return, lechad, to oneness, which means to make oneness down here in creation, to unify the creation with God. To draw down godliness from upward, from above the world where he's expressed, Lamata to the to, to below to the to the earthy world where he's not expressed to open up a channel to convey God down there. How do you do that? Through giving tzedakah. first and doing kindness. So first of all, 
there's two things. I, I was showing earlier that how the actual act of kindness is actually carries that being a host for God, but it also works in a way of it also works in a way of like when we do, God does. So when we are bestowing our kindness to people who don't have, it's causing God to do the exact same thing to illuminate the world, which is called a lowly place with his light. So it's two things. It's first of all, the act itself that we're doing is already an act of divine infusion. And in addition to that, there is a cosmic effect that's happening. While every act we do is actually bringing an illumination down from above the universe, from outside creation, into creation, into the worlds. <laughs> to enliven the spirit of the world. But then comes the Torah. That's the third thing, and what's the Torah? Is a middle. In what sense is it a middle? It's to make, what do you mean, above the world, below the world? There's only one. Above the world and below the world means there's a world, and there is above it, and there's below. Then there's another reality. There's only one being, and that is the being of all beings. That's God. That's He is the originator of everything. He is the is of everything. It's different. It's only Him. There's no above and below. So let him be. How do you let him be? Step out of the way. <laughs> you don't even have to step out of the way. You are. You're not stepping out of the way. You are. Just, just awake up to the reality that he is. And therefore, think him, speak him, because he's really talking and thinking right now. So just allow that. And here's the privilege. Your brain is really meant to be his his thinking place. His he has a much bigger brain, higher brain, but he's also thinking it through your brain. His allow the thoughts to come through, the divine thought and the divine speech. Just be. Be him. And that's when we study Torah, where that's what happened with those sages who were who were who, who on that state visibly. They turned into a flaming fire around them, or at least around them. Because it was it was divinity all over them. When they all they were doing was Names of fire were, were flowing from them because God was visible. To make that above and below should be equal. Like it says, there's a verse that says, do not desecrate my holy name. What does this mean? What, what does that have to do with here? Desecrating. He says the word desecrate doesn't mean blasphemy. The Hebrew word desecrate means from the word halal. Halal means empty space. Don't create a vacancy where I'm not. A God is everywhere. But a person has free choice and we can cancel God. What do you mean we can cancel? Yeah, you can. If we insert ourselves and over God, we cancel him from that space. And we are screaming, we are. God says, please don't cancel me. Don't remove me from the space that you are. So how do you do that? So God says, every second of your life, you can tune into my channel. You can allow your brain to think my thoughts. You can allow your, your vocal cords to, to be my voice. And that's what you're learning towards. It's all you're doing. You're just tuning into the channel. And there's no now there's no cancellation of God. There's no empty space where he's not. He's visibly there. Do not make 
a space and an interruption for the dwelling of his holy name. What does that mean? That even below, which means in our time and space existence, in our physical earthly reality, there should be also kisei, there should be a seat, or machon, and a, and a, and a, uh, and a base, where God can sit. Where can God dwell? God can dwell in your head, and God can dwell in your mouth, and he can come through you completely. Allow him to be. And again, the intention over here is not you, you're thinking, Oi, I want to fix myself. There's no you. There's just, just be him. It's not about you. And so the words, here he doesn't say it, but in the other version of the Mimer, he says, in, in, uh, in, in prayer and in, and in uh, mitzvahs, there's a slight selfish, selfishness there. You want something. You're, there's a little bit of self there. There is something of asa. I want to touch the infinite. It's about you. You can't stand being trapped. You want when you're doing a mitzvah, you want to fix the containers that they shouldn't, they shouldn't, they shouldn't block. But 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 you're concerned that you're fixing something that's not God. There's also a self. And in Torah, just allow God to be. That's all that it is. Not about you. It's not about. And therefore, he says. To straighten out the up and the low, and that's kisishma b'koylash. When you're listening to the voice of God coming through you, the truth of God is revealed in the world. The emesu Torah, Torah reveals the truth of God. It's just Him. So I know, and He says now He's explaining how was that accomplished. When one is studying Torah. Because when you're studying the word of halacha, when you're studying some halachic, so we're talking about not studying over here the esoteric parts of the Torah, we're talking about over here the extroteric, extroteric, I think it's called, element of Torah, the law. So you're studying the law, even though it doesn't seem like you're busy learning some major abstract divine, no, but it's it's God's will. God is giving his his opinion about things. It's him. It's him thinking and him talking through you. Because when you're learning, and here's the thing: how do you know you're not in repair mode? Maybe you're learning Torah because you want to repair something. You you're, you're frustrated that there's something over here that is not holy. Not God. If you would be doing that, you would only be learning Torah that would teach you how to live. So you would learn the Torah laws that are applicable to your life. Anybody that studies Torah knows that most of Torah law that you study will never happen in your life. I mean, there's a lot of law that is important to living. That's a certain section of Shulchan Aruch called which gives you the laws of daily activity, saying your blessings, and, and the laws of Shabbat, and the laws of you know Passover, and the laws of the holidays, and there's the laws of the kosher kitchen and all that. But there's so much to Torah that we're learning now Rambam, we're learning Maimonides. All the laws of purity and impurity regarding dead the, 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 the cemeteries and stuff like that don't even apply at all today. Okay, Mashiach will come. It will apply when we will we will we will be held up to the standards of being needing to be pure all the time, 
because we'll be eating sacrificial meats and going to the Holy Temple, but thousands of years, this totally didn't apply, and yet Jews diligently learned it, even though it wasn't going to be relevant or not re- So much law, not relevant. It's not about relevant or not relevant. Just let God talk. Let God talk. Let him tell you. Uh, not, he's not even telling you. He's just saying. He's thinking through you, talking through you, and you're just his channel. Because he says, when someone learns the Lord's all you're doing is you're flowing, you're following after the rabbis, the sages of the Mishnah, and after the sages of the Talmud called the Amarayim. Come on, Rebbe Leezer Oimer, you're saying Rebbe Leezer says, Beishamai Omrim, Beishamai says, and who's Beishamai and who's Rebbe Leezer? Rebbe Leezer and Beishamai were the vocal cords of God. That's who they were. They tuned their brains in. They devoted their minds to God that God completely took over their brains. So when they when they spoke, they were telling you God's opinions and God's thoughts. Un, un, unobscured, without any tiny bit of static. It, it's the clearest, clear, clear, clear channel of God speaking and thinking is the Mishnah and the Talmud. God's thoughts, God. And when you study it, you're exiting your own thoughts, your own mind, and you're tuning your brain in to God. Now no, God just is. And now he adds more, like we said earlier, there's also times, you're learning a tractate, you're learning a tractate that has zero application to your life. And you spend days and months and years sometimes probing, probing the depth of these laws. Now the Iker Kavana Salimud, the main intention of studying is Kedeliyos, is what you want, is that it should be. You want to just create the 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 circumstance that what should be. I place my my word, God says, in your mouth. The word of God, that's Allah. Now your mouth is not speaking your opinions, your your ideas, your wants. The word, the word is speaking about what God wants. And not what God, not you're saying what God wants. God is speaking in your mouth because you're saying the Mishnah. So you're saying, and the, and, and the Mishnah, who spoke the Mishnah? God spoke the Mishnah. It was the words of the rabbis, but the rabbis had no ego. They had no self. They were complete channels for God. That is speaking in your mouth. And now you have to just make your mouth. Kaylee. Your mouth should be a vessel, and a and a base. That you should be in a state of nullification and complete surrender to the word of God. And all there is is the word of God speaking. And this is the segel that we spoke about earlier. Remember, we said the jewelry that comes in three, three, three corners, a triangle. That's the segel. Two equal dots. What are the two equal dots? The fire and the water. The fire, the upward thrust in prayer and the downward thrust in mitzvahs. Those are equals. They're on equal footage. And beneath them, but really above them and deeper than them, is the state of Torah. And then the, the, the third one is the mamutzah, the intermediate beneath them. Now I'm going to go back to the part that we skipped. But this is the concept of a segel. Um, 
Let's go back over here. Back to the, remember we said that there's three parts. There's Torah, there's water, and there's Torah. I'm sorry, there's, there is prayer, there is, which is fire, there is water, there is tzedakah, which is water, and there is Torah, which is air, which is in between. So now he says, That's the segel. That's the 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 uh, triangle segel, the triangle um, vowel vowelization that we use in our pronunciation. But now he's going to add something really beautiful. The segel, as if everything else wasn't beautiful, but this is like really special. The segel segula. Now segel has another meaning to it. Segula is a v'yisamli segula. When God, God get, where does the word segula come from? God says to the Jewish people, you will be my cherished people. You will be segula. You will be like, my, like a precious treasure. But we're familiar with the word segula. What does a segula mean? People say, give me a segula for having children. Give me a segula that I should get rid of my headache. Give me a segula for parnasa, for livelihood. What's a good segula that I should find my shidduch? I should find my soul. What does a segula mean? Segula means, so when you're not feeling well, for instance, you can heal in two ways. One way is to consult your, your, your doctor. So when you're consulting your doctor, you're really consulting science. And what is science? Science is something that it's the, it's, it's, it's the it's the wisdom of the, the investigation of how things work based on the biology, based on the uh, understanding the the mechanics of the mechanics, the biology, and so on and so forth, the chemistry, so to speak, of things. We understand that if we introduce this and this element, and this will increase the in blood, this will introduce in, will increase these kinds of cells or that kind of cells introduce more protein. I don't know whatever it is. And based on that, it will counter, uh, it will boost the immune system, it will do this, it will do that, and it will bring healing. In other words, there is a method to it, there is a logic to it. That's healing. Then you can go and meet some guru or some, you know, uh, person that's like a more spiritual human being and say, you have this and this disease, this illness, give me something. And the person will take out some kind of a special stone to carry, or they'll give you a certain herb to take, but it's not it's not scientific. So what is it? It's called a segula. Which means that and, and there are certain segulos which are just hocus pocus, which means they're just people believe in them, but they have no 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 real substance. But then there are segulas. Sometimes you'll see by your segula, you'll say it's baduk omenusa. It is absolutely um, tested. It has been tested and verified that it works. Yet no one can explain why doing so and so will lead to so and so. Segula this week in the parsha. Is this week in the parsha? It says that Reuven went out and he brought his mother dodaim. A certain type of flowers. Uh, they call it macandas. I forgot what they call it. And also under Steinzeltz Chumash, he had a nice picture of them, purple flowers. 
And what are they? They're segula for a woman who's, who, who's, who's barren, doesn't have any children. If she has these flowers or whatever it is, she'll have a child. Must connect. So some say the connection is they give some kind of a logic that it actually looks like a person. Looks The flower looks like the image of a person. So wait. Yeah, but okay, just because you hold that flower, it looks like a person, it's going to create. So, so certain things, again, at certain times, it's just, um, it's just, you know, people who believe it, believe it, those not. But there's certain things that everybody knows it works, but you can't explain scientifically why it works. Because it's, it's beyond logic. What does that mean? It's it's almost like that God created the world through a system, an intricate system of logic. But then there are certain holes in the logic where God inserts super and some of these special channels where something comes through that's not part of the logical system. It's just an entrance of some what we might say a divine interference from a place that's beyond the system in which you can smuggle in some kind of an energy that will that will result in a certain um, in a certain result that you're looking for not based on the the regular things you need to do so what does that mean what it really means is that these segulos are coming from a very distant place they're coming from above the system, from beyond the system. They're secrets that were passed on to maybe some people, very spiritual people who heard whispers from that very, very high place. And based on that, even though logically you can't explain how doing so and so will result in becoming pregnant to a woman who couldn't try to become pregnant and couldn't, or will result in finding your soulmate, or will result in an increased livelihood. So you can do two things you increase your life. You can go talk to business uh, scholars to business uh, professionals to you know to, to and, you know, successful people to follow or go go to bit you know and that that's how you'll increase your livelihood or you can you know do the segulas <laughs> and sometimes the segulas work much better than everything else. So God says to the Jewish people, number one, you will be to me a segula in this world. What does that mean? There is a system of logic based on the system of logic. Though those who deserve God's love and those who deserve less of God's love. You try hard, you work hard, you work your way in being a good human being, a moral, ethical human being. You, 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 will, um, a, you will deserve and earn a deeper connection to God. And people who neglect God or couldn't care less and not busy, whatever, and maybe act in ways that are very unethical and immoral, uh, become distant from Hashem. That's just a system. That's a system the way God set up. God said to the Jewish people when he took us at Sinai, God said to the Jewish people when I took us at Sinai, my love to you and my relationship with you will not be limited based on the earning point system. The system of logic that I set up. I'm connecting to you from a very, very distant place, from a place way, way above. You will be my segula. It will be super logical, super rational. And what does that mean? Since the Jewish people are in a relationship with God on a level of the infinite, of the beyond the system, we actually are for the entire world also a segula. For example, the concept is that wherever Jews are, the place, that country and that place is successful. The economy goes up. That they are, it always creates a certain blessing. 
You see it this weekend that we spoke about it on, on Monday in the class, how Yaakov's brother-in-law's love and children said that, you know, uh, they were grumbling that you took our success, but Lovin really realized that the blessing he got is because of Yaakov. So every place where the Jewish people go and come is in you. Now, sometimes explain because yeah, a lot of Jews are entrepreneurial and they are uh, maybe intelligent and they're this and they're that and they're that and they're very determined and they're and they and they uh, they're consistent and they're uh, you, you can give all kinds of reasons, logic, but there's some super super logical blessing that's there, and that's because we have the segula element. And God says, you will be my Segula. So now he's going to explain the Jewish people themselves are in the Segula. And the Torah is also called a Segula. Because the Torah comes to us in the triple. Remember, we learned Torah is a triple Torah. Everything about Torah is three, which is a Segal, which is Segula. The Torah also works. The elements of Torah work both logically, but the main power of the Torah and its effect and its blessing that it brings in its life and our life is on a level of Segula because it's channeling from utterly beyond the system, the infinite. After he explains that meaning in Segula, he explains the Segula also means a segel, it's three. Which is what we learned already. Um, so now he explains what the segel, the Segula. By way of analogy, there are certain things that heal, that bring healing in a manner of of healing, the teva, scientific ways of means of healing. But then there are certain times you can bring healing in a manner of a segula. Shall be based on the natural course. Through doing so and so, there's no ex- scientific explanation why it's going to work. There is some kind of a segula in a very distant and wondrous way. The doctors will tell you it's Baba Mises, maybe. The doctors cannot explain to you how, what, and why it works. And the, and the comprehension of the scientists, they can't figure it out. And they can't tell you it's scientifically proven. <laughs> those who follow the science can't give you a scientific explanation. So many people are that way. If they don't have a scientific explanation for something, it doesn't exist. Meaning it's unreal to them. But many people are willing. If something works, it works. Who cares if you can explain it to me scientifically or not? It works, it works. What does that mean? It means that you're opening yourself up that there are things that are beyond logic. Logic is not not the ultimate barometer of things. There is reality that's deeper than logic. That it should bring a healing. Through this, and the same is by way of an analogy. For example, I'll give you another example. There There is a segula to become wealthy to be to hold the baby by a Brit. If you hold the baby, the, the one, the person sitting on the on the on the on the seat of Elijah the prophet, and holds the baby during the time of a bris, has a special segula that they will for for uh, for making money. Is that something that is uh, you know scientifically proven that you can explain it? 
No, there's no science to it. That's the way it is. So the kachal that marshal the same by way of 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 marshal nekram Yisrael, the Jewish people are called am segula. So the people of their segula shaitan shaisanu bachar Hashem because the Jewish souls and Israel God has chosen not because and part of the whole system of creation from cause to effect where you can explain the dots, you can connect the dots at a very deep, infinite place. The, the Jewish souls have arose in God's thoughts above the entire universe, above the entire system. Above the entire order and evolving order. Things that come to the world not through a a not through a systematic way, but they just drop into the world from way above and they just appear here. These, like we said before, these these healing segulas and so on and so forth. That's called segula. So too, the Jews dropped in this into this world. They're outside of the scientific sphere. That's why science can't explain the Jewish people. Because we're a segula in the world. We're a, and our relationship with God is also a level of segula. It will always be. It's not based on virtue and non-virtue. It is, it is. It's on a, on a very high essential level. Of course, through virtue and through doing good deeds, we reveal it more. And through messing up, we conceal it more. But the essence is is not is, is on a level of segul. So so too The Torah element of fire, wind, and water with which we serve God is also nimshach Is also called segula. Comes from beyond the whole shalut, the whole evolving order. Vigam. And they're also Nakudas of Segel. This is what we just learned before, explaining how they are the Nakuda of the Segel, how the, the fire goes is one mode of service, prayer, water is the other mode of service, and Torah is the medium. Now we go back to where we had gone to before when we skipped around, and we go to the third line on Daf Yud Gimel, on page Yud Gimel, the first column. Aval, however, I'm sorry. Um, one second line. Tehine and behold, All of this is in our order of our service below, coming from us. This is our segel. The way our segel works is we have to follow the order. First, fire and water, which are the two equal dots, followed afterwards by Torah. Obviously, a person can study Torah from a very young age before they really learn how to pray and learn how to do mitzvahs. But to attain what Torah is supposed to lead a person to, which is the ultimate truth, which is that God is and there's none but Him. And when you learn Torah, you're in a state of complete self-effacement, where it's only God through the person that requires first some refinement of elevation and then channeling, and then after that one can reach that level. With God, when when God reciprocates and opens himself up to us also through a three-pronged connection, 
it works the opposite, he's going to explain. First, his energy is in a state of, of truth, of air. First comes God's air, and then comes his fire and his water. Why? Because you realize like this, we are coming from a state of beingness, from existence. And we're going from a state of existence to non-existence. So when you go from existence to non-existence, you first operate with existence. You're lifting existence to non-existence, and then you can reach the non-existence. First, so first you're serving Hashem through fire, which is your, you're starting off with having a self, and that self, a, an unholy self, or a self that's to be spoke before, is constricted and limited, and you're looking to liberate yourself. You're looking to free yourself. Then once you've freed yourself and you connected, now you want now you're you're looking to fix the world, to come down and fix your body, fix your fix your vessel, fix your container. So that's that's the second part. Once there is a this 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 connection is made and the fixing is done, now you're ready to just be him. And that's through Torah. You can reveal ultimate truth. And you can come to a state of non-beingness. So first you have fire and ear, ear in a sense. It's far cleaner than fire. It's much less of a substance. You don't notice air. Fire is noticed. You see fire. Fire draws attention. It's a burning. Water is, is, is a substance. Water. Air is so subtle. It's nothingness. So to reach the air, you go, God starting off in non-beingness. When we say non-beingness, non-definite, definitive. But in order to express himself to us, he extends his fire to us and his water to us, his kindness, his severity, his different energies. But before they become distinguishable energies, they first, first God emanates a point of nothingness, of air. And from the air, it becomes fire. and water. So it's the opposite of the way we're going to him. And therefore, his segel works, the dot on the top is first. And from the dot on the top, for, for example... In, in God's name, Yud is the first. Yud, Yud is the air. Yud is the nothingness, is the is the point. And then from the Yud comes the hay and the Vav. The hay is fire and Vav is water. So the hay and the Vav, the two letters of God, come from first the Nakuda of Bittal, of Chachma. Bittal is first. And then from the, as long as God is allowing his energy to be in total state of Bittal, then it can't reveal itself to us. It's too abstract. It's too high. So he has to tangibilize it. He has to thicken it into fire and water. That's to say, we're going from beingness, from existence to non-existence. He's coming from non-existence to existence. And therefore, it, it works the opposite. From our arousal from below is is God's arousal above. So God reciprocates. Over there we also have the three nekudos. But it comes down in a manner of a segulta. is the middle dot. is above. It's standing above the other two dots. Because when we are approaching God from our ascent upward to Him, in a nekudam, so is the achrayna. The 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 middle dot comes last. First, you have to lift yourself up from below upward through prayer. Then you can do a mitzvah and you can draw God down. And then you can arrive and reach to a state 
of canceling or integration completely. It's just Hashem. A level where you're not canceling God anymore. There's no more chalo. There's no more, there's no more space that's not Him. You're just allowing God to come through you completely. Where above and down are equal, there's only Him. But when it's coming from God from above, when it's coming from above, over there, the singular middle dot, it is, it is, it is, it is the essence. It's not something we arrive to. That's the essential state. And therefore, it's first. And then it becomes, Hashem contracts it to become more distinct as fire and water so that it can be his fire and his water that can affect us. Okay, so now we have the, the three. Now he's going to explain how those three can either be three dots, three separate modes of service, or they can become one unified triangle ring. That's the idea that we're talking about, the rings that God is speaking about. He says, I will make them into gold. You have, when we have our segol, it's nekudot kesev. Nekudot means studs of silver. But I'm going to add the filling. I'm going to add it and turn it into a triangle where the dots are not three separate things. It's one entity. And then the service of Hashem on that level is infinitely higher and so much greater. In Exivin, it says, we'll learn just a little bit because I didn't get to really prepare this at all before. Toides of studs, I mean, uh, um, gold, gold rings, Nasalach, I will make to you in the Kudaisakasaf with drops with studs of silver. Pidish meaning, Shepchina Segolze, that this Segol. Which is just these these three dots. That's when your service to God is still not is still made out of silver. What does that mean? Silver is love. The word kesef comes from the word kisufim. Kisufim means longing. You're longing, but it's more of a calm longing. Like a person always longs for family. Long for family. You rapture for family. You long for family. It's, it's nice. It's nice to meet your sister. It's nice you feel. There's always a silent longing. It's nice to go visit your parents. Not a burning. It's, it's a cold type. It's watery love. But then we can ascend through the different metals. And from, and from our silver connection to God, we can intensify it until we reach the level of gold. And the quality of gold over silver. Which is the flames of fire. That's why my ascent from silver to gold uh, is ununited. Because united is united with God. See? It's, it is, everything is connected. I want to reach. Hashem is prouding me. He says, I have another three weeks to get to the gold. Discover the fire. Don't let it be the mellow. I don't like the fact that you're so mellow in your relationship with me. You've got to ratchet up, get to the gold. It's the flame, the fire. What happens? These studs, these dots become they become like a triangle. Like the Rosh Tar which means a triangle 
the Gemara is talking about over there like a field. I mean, they used to have vegetables and they used to sometimes plant them like triangles. Pchinus Meshulish, what does that mean? The Hainu, this is so gewalding, this is so awesome. Lahamshech Kavin Lenekudais Elo. To make Kavin, to make lines between the dots, to connect the dots. And then they become, and when you make the, but you understand the wildness over here? Do we, does anybody understand the awesomeness over here? Why is it so awesome? The Alter Rebbe is saying this mimer by the Tzemach Tzedek's way. Tzemach Tzedek is the third Chabad Rebbe. He completes the triangle. So by his wedding, the Alter Rebbe is explaining that the segel should not be a segel of three individual dots. The Alter Rebbe, the Mittler Rebbe, the Tzemach Tzedek, it should become one triangle. The three of them become unified into one entity. That's really in the, in the levels of Chabad and the levels of Chagas, Chesed, Gevurah, Teferis. And that is when you reveal the essence. When you reveal the essence, which comes through this goal, this fire, as he explains over here. Because when they are just dots, then it's separate. Each one is a separate service. What does that mean? That there's three modes. You can be in prayer mode, you can be in mitzvah mode, you can be in Torah mode. Each one is beautiful. But it's a mode. It's so much greater when in each one there is all three. Because they're so interlooped and interwoven. Because there is a singularity that's there. There is a oneness that's there. They're united. In the beginning, they're from the bottom up. Flames of fire. And afterwards, there's water. Behind when when is that? When the love is 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 more mellow and cool, it's a cool love. Then the three modes of service are three separate branches. Each one is its own branch. But when the love of the soul becomes intensified until it flares up in flaming fire. What it causes is that each mode of service becomes completely unified, integrated, and interwoven one with the other. And this it says, and the triple thread can never be disconnected. If your service to God is each one is its own service, one string can tear. But when you have three th- strings and the three th- strings are woven together like a rope, it becomes a firm rope, it's unterrible. The Torah says regarding Yaakov, the same as this, these three three levels of service are Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. So the Torah says about Yaakov, Yaakov Hevel Nachloso. Yaakov is the rope because he's interwoven from Avram and Yitzhak and Yaakov. It's beautiful because I think the Tzemach Tzedek is the same same concept. He's the Yaakov. He's the intertwiner of all three. So in his wedding, the altar is explaining this. It's awesome. With look in Zohar, with Parshas Azinu told us in an Achmada Mizov, the Parshas Nayach Vayechi, fresh Parshas Kaira Chazinu, Parshas Truma, gives you like seven eight places to look in Zohar. Which talks about the quality of Torezov, the idea of gold. The Vadaizov Salikyatir, that the Zohar says for sure gold goes up higher. Uva Bepardis, it's 
discussed in the book of Paradays. Shar Yud Perigim. Look what it says regarding this flaming love, which is the quality of gold. We also see that gold is far superior than silver in terms of the, the value. When it speaks about making the gold plate of the Kohen, it should be made out of gold. And also when the king stretches out to Esther in the Megillah, the golden scepter, all these places it discusses the, the quality of gold. Where it talks about the gold menorah. Basically, it gives you a lot of homework to do. Until next week, everybody can look up all these 30, perhaps, uh, sources. Now, regarding Ube'inyan, that's one thing. That's the quality of gold, which the gold. Ube'inyan is samidas. And regard the integration of the emotions, where the emotions are not separate emotions, for that, that means to unify, is also connected to this week's parsha. The parshas told us bebir al pasuk mayim rabim. Parshas told us no, this is that, but I'll show you something else in the parsha which is related to this. The Indian Rifka shall shalish shalish bakar. You said you want to learn about Rifka. So Rifka, it says the word Rifka is also referring to when they would have groups of of animals that would go out to do the work in the field. They would take three animals and put a harness on all three. And that's how they would plow the fields with three animals. A rafka is a group of animals together, held together with a with a um, triple harness. But the idea over here is it's a unification of different pieces. And this is the and spiritually it means to unify the various emotions. It's not enough to serve God with each emotion, but to actually create an integration between them. Integration is a very important part. Balance integration is a very important part in spirituality and holiness. So I want to connect it where you see, this week in the parasha, when Yaakov comes to Haran for the first time, he sees three flocks of sheep. And they're standing all three, and when they say to him, he asks them, what are you doing here? They say, we can't, because there is a big stone blocking the water of the well. We can't give the tree... We need to wait till all the people gather together and then we can roll it off. Which is the same, which is explained in Hasid, it's the same idea that each flock, each one is its own service, but in order to really roll off the stone, you need all three, you need to unify everybody together. When you unify all together, in the actual mimer of the other version, in Tovkov Samach the version of the Mittler Rebbe, he brings from the Rebbe Vram of Mezrich. Who is he referring to? Very cool. Rabbi Avram, he means the, the, the famous Rabbi Avram Amalach, the son of the, the Magid, where he explains over there how he brings from, from that there was once a war taking place and one side was victorious and the method they used to their victory was that they took Three of their 
different battalions. Let's say they use the infantry, the Air Force, and the Navy. Three different, and they focused it against one side, one element of the enemy. All three. So the enemy gets defeated when he's bombarded from, from every aspect. Kind of that. And, and that he uses that when we fight our Yetzahara, the evil inclination, we need to gather against every force of Klippa, all three of our, our Chesed, our Gavura, and our Teferet, our every, all of our Midas against one. Same concept, his Kalamut. Look over there. Again, it's a whole list of sources. Now we said that there's the two Torah, which means the two rings. And we explained that the two rings are from up, down, and from down, up. So he says it's also... God is the male, we're the female. So the ring and ring is his ring and her ring. But when they're integrated, same same quality of integration. Let me let me see. I'm making an attempt. I didn't really learn this, but I'm to make attempt so that we can finish the Siv Gimel. Now, just like the Nekudis of the Segel, and Beis Bechinus. What did we say by the Segel? Just like where we spoke about the three dots. There's two types of three dots, which are what Segel v'Segulta, the, the the three dots from below and the three bots from above. Three the Nekudos which and by the way, it's interesting. How do you know that the segel and the segulta is one is us to God and the other is God to us? Because the segel is part of the nekudos. Nekudos, besides the chayla, all nekudos are on the bottom of the letters. Kamat, patach, they're all on the bottom of the letters. The trap, a lot of them, most of them are on the top of the letters. They hover on the top of the letters is where you see the trap. There are a few that that um, I think there are a few that are on the bottom very few but most of them hover on the top of the letters because that's Keter that's above and this is below so just like in regarding the the, the Nekudot when they're still isolated three modes of service there is us there is us to Hashem and there's Hashem's reciprocation to us so therefore and that reflects in the two signs Segol and Segulta so the same is when you turn them into a triangle, which when you turn them into a ring, not just as that, there is and there is torim, two triangles, our triangle and the triangle from above. From below upward, and from upward down, came torim, the same is also in the Torah, in these torim, we say these rings, when they are a triangle, they're also two torim. From below upward to us to Hashem, and God's reciprocation to us. And these are the two Torahs. Torah Shabiksav is the, the written Torah, which is from God to us. Torah Shabbat is from us to God. And, and each one of them entail all three. 
And this is the meaning of God says your cheeks are beautiful. What are the lachayayich? So lachayayich are lechi elyoin velechi hatachlin. The word lachayayich he said earlier means the luchot, which are the tablets. But in the human body, the cheeks, lachayim don't only mean the cheeks, they also mean the jaws. So we have two jaws. We have the upper jaw and the bottom jaw. Novel means the 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 two jaws of of your of are, are beautiful. What does that mean? The place where the speech comes out. Because where does speech come out from between the two jaws, the upper jaw and the bottom? Somehow, to turn the dots into triangles require the the two jaws, which which emit speech, which speech rises up. For this, I have to. I'm going to have to stop over here, do some more research, so we can finish. I just want to connect. Soon it continues, and it says your necklace made out of beads, as we spoke earlier, is going to connect to what it says this week in the parsha that Yaakov took the stones. And he strung them together and he made them into a stone around his head. Stringing stones is, is going much deeper. Because after you finish connecting yourself to God on this very high level, you got to start thinking about the whole world that's outside. And that's the isolated stones. And you got to take a string of holiness, of oneness, and string it all together is what he's going to explain. Our impact in the world, once we have achieved absolute attachment to God, and we become this godly triangle. Now we got to create the necklace with everything around us. That's the next ornament, which is stringing the stones of the world, which stones represent everything is made up of stones. We'll soon see. Stringing that with one string of divine unity, permeating godly consciousness into everything. And all of that makes us very, very, very attractive to Hashem, as we shall see, Bezrat Hashem. In next week's class, Thursday night, as session, we will complete this. Till then, let's have a really good week and let's see Mashiach now.